The Speedrun Podcast is a podcast project started in January of 2020. The primary goal of the podcast is to give insights to different games and categories involving speedrunning through interviewing different speedrunners. The secondary goal is to promote the speedrunners out there so more people can enjoy their content and hopefully try out speedrunning for themselves. We'll also dive into other subjects regarding speedrunning such as mental health within and outside the speedrun itself and how it can affect the runner tools needed for different runs and games, the different attitudes, restrictions and open-mindedness of different speedrunning communities. So ladies and gentlemen, I think it's time that we run right into episode 2 of the Speedrunner Podcast with our guest, Kian Lyon. Alright, so hello everybody, we are here, episode number 2 of the Speedrunner Podcast and tonight... We are here with Kian. How are you doing? I am good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's been a long day and it's been a great day, but at the end of it, I'm doing good. Good. Uh, so, first of all, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Well, I'm Kian Lyon. Um, I've been streaming on Twitch since 2016. Um, been speedrunning since about that time too but been interested in speedrunning a lot longer than that um i i'm canadian i recently became a dad i think that's basically all you need to know about me all right nice congratulations on becoming a, a father oh thank you and uh once we're on the topic of congratulations also congratulations on the Getting the world record in I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream Lunar Percent. Oh, thank you. Uh, I mean, It's about two weeks ago? Yeah, it was It was about two weeks ago now. And um, thank you for the congratulations, but I don't really see it as much of an accomplishment because I took the world record from myself. Hey, it's, a world record is a world record. It's, it's something to be proud of, nonetheless. Yeah, of course. But I, I get where you're coming from, though. I have a world record in a category that is essentially meaningless, so... <laughs> But um, once we're on the topic, let's just dive right into it with the first question there. How, how did you get into speedrunning from the start? So I've been interested in speedrunning for a long time. I remember back when everything was posted on Speed Demos Archive forums and, and all of that. Um, I think the first ever speedrun that I saw that got me interested in the format and the style was uh, a Final Fantasy VII speedrun. It was segmented, and that was by, I want to say Garland the Great, um, but it might have been one of those, any of the old guard that were back in there, like Brutal, um, Carcinogen, SDA, um, any of those guys. But oh, Wow, there's, there's some old, old school names right there. Yeah, I'm dropping old names. <laughs> um, so I watched that entire segmented run. It was over like 60 parts or something like that. Um, oh, wow. And I, I kind of just studied it, um, tried to execute it on my own when I could, and didn't really get too far into it because 
that's a very long game, and that segmented run, it, 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 it was a lot to learn. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's, it's a long game with a lot of tricks to it. Yeah, totally. And that's like over 10 years ago now, so the game has really progressed since then. Um, but yeah, so um, that was my original kind of inkling towards speedrunning. And then I found out about Twitch, and this must have been like probably 2013, 2014. Um, and that was the reason I joined Twitch. The reason I made a Twitch username was uh, so I could be in the chat for Sarath and Crumps 2 when they were doing the first FF-thon. The first like run through from Final Fantasies 1 through 13 at that time. So... Yeah, um, I met Sarath last year, but uh, he knows that I'm a big fan of his, and I literally made a Twitch account because of him. Oh wow! Did you did you mention that to him when uh, when you met him? Yeah, I did. He was he was pretty flattered. But if you've ever met Sarath or interacted with him, he's he's kind of a meek guy. He doesn't uh, take compliments. Um, well, he takes them in stride, but he doesn't like doesn't try to hype himself up or anything yeah yeah so he's very like hum humble about it mm -hmm. and then uh from there the first speed run i ever completed was digimon story cyber sleuth and that was just a game that i enjoyed playing casually um and so i was a little curious about the world record so i found this thing called speedrun.com and I looked to see if anybody had speedrun Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth. And there was one run um, that was on the PlayStation Vita version. Uh, and it was like an 11 hours and 46 minutes. And I watched that video and again, studied it. And I said to myself, I can do this faster. I can, I can be faster than that. And so from there, I... I had already gotten into streaming a little bit. Um, the first games, the first game that I streamed on Twitch was Final Fantasy XIV, and I knew that I had a a desire to keep going with that. So I bought an Elgato, and I hooked it up to my PS4, and I streamed Cyber Sleuth. And I think that first run uh, that I ever did ended up being 10 hours and three minutes oh, and wow. 43 seconds 10 43 so i beat the previous record by an hour and 40 some minutes that, that, that's impressive though like for our first run beating it uh by by an hour as well in such a long long um long speed run but but uh yeah. but about the just the digimon game there um you said it's like an it was 11 hours was the current world record. So when you studied it, how, how, many, how many hours do you reckon you put into just studying the run? Because 11 hours is a lot to process. That's a really good point. So um, I, I just, there was no notes published or anything. There was only this VOD um, with, of course, like Twitch chat going on and the commentary in the background and everything. So there wasn't a lot that I could glean from it. Um, but what I did, I studied that thing probably, I'm going to say 100 hours. Oh, wow. Just as a rough estimate. And I play it for five seconds and then pause it and then write notes and then play it for another five seconds and then pause it and write notes for like boss strategies 
and digivolution lines and things like that. Um, did you do any like trial and error to try and figure out anything different from the original route you saw from the beginning? A little bit, um, but the original route was actually very smart, and the way that they progressed through the game was in a way that you easiest and quickest got to a mega-level Digimon, first of all, and second of all, a mega-level Digimon that happened to have a very cheap uh, defense-ignoring move, and that was... the. I think the final party ended up in that one being two War Greymons and two Platinum Sukumons. So the War Greymons have an ability um, that costs 40 SP, and it does a massive amount of damage to everything, including bosses. Um, and then the Platinum Sukumons, um, they don't have much in the way of strong abilities, but they have a decently high defense, and they have a passive ability that doubles the amount of experience that everybody earns. So, yeah, the idea there was you get your Platinum Sukumons, and then everything else is just accelerated. Um, so I didn't really have to do much in in that sense to get that route optimized. I did change a few things around, um, such as getting, um, I think getting one or two Digimon a little earlier than was previously routed, but there was a lot of safety still in there. Um, one of the first major hurdles in that run is about an hour and a half in, and it is a boss battle with Growlmon. And so the main strategy is to get two champion level Digimon before going to that boss battle, which is in, in a lot of ways a very safe strategy. Um, but it required you do a little more grinding than normally in a playthrough. If you were just going from A to B and not stopping in between to do any grind, um, then you would be a little underleveled for that fight. So it ended up that I spent like probably half an hour in that early section just grinding so I could get like a level one champion Digimon in that fight. So you, um, I want to go back a little bit because you, you mentioned earlier about how you met up with Sareth and he was one of those, uh, uh, one of the reasons that you, that you made a Twitch account. And I want to ask you about your name there. How did you, where did you come up with your username? Because that's usually like a not sensitive topic, but usually someone has a story about their username online. Yeah, you're right. And there is a very specific reason for my username. It's made up of two parts. So Kion, um, which is what most people call me online, just they shorten it to Kion or they shorten it to Lion, but mostly Kion, um, is the name of a character from the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, which is an anime that I watched in high school and um, I, I really uh, connected with the character as an angsty teenager with an internal monologue. So uh, it eventually became my nickname and I had friends that only called me Kion. And then Lion is from Final Fantasy VIII. That's uh, the, the ending theme song, or not the ending theme, but the uh, final boss battle theme song. Oh, the may um, maybe I'm a lion. Maybe I'm a lion. Yeah. So that um, was my favorite track from 
any Final Fantasy game that I've ever played for the longest time. I still love the song. The Black Mages put out a a cover of it that was, um, of course, really fantastic. And if you have not heard that cover, you should you should definitely go and give it a listen. And and the Black Mages thing as well. For those who don't know, uh, it's a it's a bit essentially a Final Fantasy cover band started by. Um, the man himself, Nobu Uematsu, who wrote a majority of the music for the majority of the Final Fantasy game series as well, uh, but it take but he took it in a more uh, rock, a little I want to say a little bit metal um, a- approach. Um, so definitely check them out. Like they're on YouTube, and I, I think they were on Spotify, but I can't seem to find them there anymore. Well, it may be like a uh, a copyright issue. Um... If they're using songs that are owned by Square Enix, maybe they're not on Spotify anymore. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good point. Um, so we've talked a bit about the Digimon and the speedrun. Uh, well, the speedrun about Digimon there as well. But you also run some other games. You run some various uh, Final Fantasy games, which you touched on a little bit. Uh, Downfall and Cat Lady and uh, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Um, is there any of those that you prefer to run or that you've gotten bored of running and and that kind of thing or hmm um gotten bored of i i don't know that i've gotten bored of any speed game really um other than just getting to a time that i feel comfortable with leaving up for a certain length of time um a lot of the smaller games that you mentioned like downfall like the cat lady those are games that are don't have a really active player base and so my runs don't have a lot of contention to them usually i stop when i get world record or if i don't feel that that world record was perhaps good enough in terms of execution in terms of gameplay then i'll beat myself a couple times and then i'll leave it at a point where the run is beatable with good execution and maybe you find a, a skip or a new strat or something. But I'm not going to continue grinding that game down until my fingers bleed. Um, just so I can shave another five minutes off of a one hour run. Yeah. Yeah. So um, comp- competition is healthy, so to speak. Yeah, I love a good competition. And a lot of these smaller games, um, I think, could use a little bit of competition to engage the player base to uh to kind of excite the people that are already in it um and i have no mouth and i must scream is a really good example of that the games that you run well you mentioned that you 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 took some some world records and then you kind of stopped because you didn't feel the need to grind down uh, just to save five more minutes or that was was your goal from the beginning to get world record or what was the reason for not that you got into speedrunning but that you kept going with speedrunning what was your goal so i'll admit um i started off speedrunning because i wanted to feel that sense of accomplishment it was a race it was a drive to say yeah i have three world records i have you know i have the world record in this game i the um cyber sleuth especially you can call it a feat of endurance at that point oh Um, yeah definitely 
Yeah. And so getting world record on there and I got it one more time after that. Um, but, uh, I ended up stopping after that because, you know, it was physically draining and then some lifestyle changes came around. So I started speedrunning shorter games. Um, more to your, your question though, um, you know, it started off as kind of a drive to get world record and then it was, okay, well, what other games do I enjoy? What other games um, can I speedrun and still love sort of thing? Um, because speedrunning is, uh, it's kind of become part of my identity um, as a person, as a person who plays video games. I really like to um, to ignore the conventional wisdom of hundred percentism or, um, you know, the, the common critique of speedrun is I don't like how they do all the glitches. I prefer the, um, I, I prefer to experience the game in the way that the developer intended. And I kind of go against that a little bit. And I like to explore what can be done um, outside of, or sometimes inside of what the developer intended, um, the experience to look like. Yeah, it's 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 interesting you should say that because there's that that's the the never ending debate when it comes to speedrunning. Um, what is the true any percent category in a game? I feel like there's a lot of debate go, going on and has been going on for like years and years and years and it's different for every game. Uh, if glitches makes the game uh, a speedrun, like you can classify the speedrun as a proper run if it has glitches or if it doesn't have glitches. Some people doesn't consider a, a speedrun with glitches to be an actual speedrun because it's a form of cheating in a sense, whereas others have the argument that no, in any percent, it's literally... You do anything to get to the end of the game, including glitches. But that's very different depending on what game you're talking about, because some games have category-specific um, categories for them. And like I'm thinking of Final Fantasy VI for an example. It's a great example because you have the any percent, and then you have a no sketch any percent, and you have this and this and this category, and basically some of them are six to eight hours long whereas another is uh, an hour or two if i'm not mistaken based on a single glitch essentially that allows you to skip a majority of the game what what is it what is your opinion in in general not being game specific but do you think a speed run is a speed run if it contains a glitch absolutely any percent categories are some of my favorite to watch i'm don't get me wrong i still enjoy like um, no sketch in Final Fantasy VI or no slots in Final Fantasy VII because um, there's just that it makes for up for it in other ways and it's more enjoyable in other ways but um, I feel that any percent just trying to do it as fast as possible by any means necessary um, can be a really really enjoyable run um, Pokemon Red for example, where you're literally con corrupting the game's uh, memory in order to 
skip yourself and flash yourself into the uh <laughs> the hall of fame room oh yeah isn't um, that like a like a two minute speed run or something like that i i would have to double check um yeah, I can't recall, uh, it, but it's very, it's very, very short. <laughs> At least, I yeah, know that much. it is very, very short. Less than fifteen minutes for sure. Yeah. Um, but like those sorts of things are just wild and a testament to uh, human ingenuity when they put their heads together, when they, you know, when this entire community comes together to say, okay, what can we do with this? What can we do with this? Um. And it's not just speedrunners, it's also ROM hackers, it is, like, data miners, um, it's kind of everybody, glitch hunters, um, and you can really see, uh, the changes over time to those speedruns, because, um, you know, you, you watch it in 2016, and you're like, wow, this is really cool, and they've got so much movement tech and everything. And then you watch it in 2017, and you're like, this is a completely different game. It's a completely different run, uh, a very different experience. Um, have you been following the uh, progression with Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time recently? Uh, I have not. I've, I've, I've seen some things on Twitter that there was something new discovered, but... Um... I haven't really watched much Zelda to to know what it was about. All right, so I've been following this kind of from the outside looking in because I'm not a Zelda speedrunner by any means. Um, but uh, it was only a couple months ago that uh, some data miners and glitch hunters found a way to perform arbitrary code executions, or ACE, in Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Um, so arbitrary code execution is uh, a fancy term for um, doing specific things and specific actions to make the game do what you want. Um, and that's usually outside of the bounds of what usually goes on in the game um, uh, against what the developer intended. So this is things like getting the Master Sword early or getting opening a chest that usually has like five rupees in it and instead getting um the hook shot those sorts of things and so this has been tried and tested and tried over so many iterations and so legend of zelda ocarina of time any percent which is the category that is mainly going to be using these arbitrary code executions is now down to below 12 minutes i think oh, wow yeah that is that is an insanely short run for a zelda game it really is and looking at that versus watching say like an any percent uh speed run of it a year ago it's it's just a very different experience watching it and i'm sure it's a very different experience running it as well um entertainment value you can say one is better than the other but um it's just it's just really hype being able to watch these things happen yeah that sounds very interesting i might have to check that out and see what 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 it looks like because uh, I, I i'm like you in the in the regard that i i enjoy runs that have these crazy glitches or manipulations because it's i like to have my mind blown and when these type of things happen, you're just sitting there like, what just happened? 
it's very very intriguing i, I remember watching um uh, i don't remember how long ago this was discovered but it was for super mario world there was a runner who he he described a similar thing to what you just described but he executed what looked like if you're just watching it it looks very very bizarre because he's just running around doing these random things but everything he did had a specific purpose on a specific pixel causing him in the end i think it was like five after five minutes of just running around looking like a madman he just teleported to the end of the game yeah and it was it just left me in shock when i saw it i was like what just happened here so finding out that those types of things are can still be done in newer games than that like zelda for example that that is mind-blowing to me so i'm i'm definitely going to look that up after this yeah it really is just fantastic watching these things and as as like a casual player um looking in if if you've never speed run that game before if you've never seen a speed run of that game before there's a certain wow factor um that is like i didn't know that this was even possible in this game i didn't know that i i didn't even think of the possibility that that could be the way to finish this game faster yeah i mean in in some some regard it could be for some games it could be the future of speedrunning. like in this case for zelda it's changed the speedrunning route so intensely that the run is just 12 minutes now and that in itself is it's very fascinating that it can it can change so much in in a whole community but um getting back to uh to your speed runs a little bit uh, i want to talk just in before we do a little bit of a deep dive um i want to ask you what you think is the most fun thing about speedrunning and then flip the coin and what's the most difficult thing about speedrunning ooh getting in tough eh yeah that's just the warm up all right well um the best thing about speedrunning in my opinion is just the challenge i really just love challenging my abilities challenging my preconceptions of what can and can't happen in a run um my ability to make snap decisions on the fly and to adapt to what a game is throwing at me those sorts of things are really really fun for me um and it, it's really cool to see all the different things that a game can do um even if it's outside of the realm of what I've practiced for or anything like that, and even if I'm seeing that timer go into the red, um, anything like that, it's still like, this is a way that I can get better. This is a way that I can do better. Um, and yeah, that self-challenge um, really is kind of a main driving point for me at this point. On the flip side of that, the most annoying or aggravating thing is probably just limitations of the human body, really. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, even, I mean, in an 11-hour run, that that's bound to be a factor at some point. Yeah, and even saying that, I kind of feel pretty pretentious about it. But um, if I'm playing I Have No Mouth and i'm trying to 
it's a point and click game so i need to make really quick movements with accurate precision in order to click on the proper thing on the screen um and you know if i'm off by two pixels it wastes five seconds and then i have to try and do it again and so like the limitations with my accuracy the limitations with like if my hands start shaking or you know over those long runs like the seven hour eight hour ten hour runs if i need to take bathroom breaks uh or if i need to eat food um then sometimes that can slow you down sometimes there's not a cut scene that's two minutes long so you can take a pee break or whatever it is um i'd say that's the most annoying thing to me is just my own physical limits other than physical limits um i had zuio uh, 007 on the show uh, on the last episode and we we dived into a little bit there on um the the, the positive and negative effects that speedrunning both watching being part of a community or doing the actual run can have on the the mental state of a runner um what what do you what do you think about that topic in general? Do you think it's an issue that should be talked about more? How people are not being pressured, but pressuring themselves because they want to perform and they want to get that PB or world record and move up the charts. Uh, do you think it's an issue in the speed speedrunning ge- uh, community as a whole in general? Oh, absolutely. And I do agree it needs to be talked about a lot more. Um, because there is you know there's um pressures from yourself there's pressures from society um whatever that society happens to be um and we really need to uh learn to take care of ourselves first so you know if you're not in a good mental state then you're going to perform worse and then it's just a vicious cycle because you get aggravated that you're not performing well and then you dive deeper and it yeah um so really i've learned how to do that with myself and probably it it only happened very recently for me that i've learned to take the time for myself to 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 give myself time and space and um time away from the game time away from the camera time thinking about things that are not video games it 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 really needs to be a balance and if it's not going to be a healthy and productive thing then speedrunning can be a detriment um absolutely i i 100% agree with you because as you said it it, it it's not just in speedrunning but in life in general balance is very very important and you see these runners who do um they are very successful and uh, they have a big following on twitch for example it's their job to stream uh nine ten hour runs a day but you also see some of them if you watch them regularly you can tell that today is not their day they're not feeling it they're doing it because they have that pressure that they have to because it's their job and then on the other side of the spectrum you also have the people who successful or not successful they're doing these really wrong speed runs but at the the expense of 
because they're sitting down all day, they're not getting the physical treatment that they should have. So there's both the the balance that you have to take care of yourself mentally, you have to take care of yourself physically as well. Uh, not just in order to speedrun a game nine hours a day, but just in life in general. And I do feel I, I feel really strongly about that. This is something that has to be discussed more, not necessarily in the form of a PSA like. Oh, in order to be allowed to speedrun for over six hours, you have to do a hundred push-ups before you do it, or something like that. But it needs to be brought up more, um, maybe by the more successful streamers saying that it's important to exercise both your mental health and your physical health. I think two two streamers who do this fairly well is um, um, Connor Cordell, formerly yep. known as uh, Cordellium, and uh, Caleb Hart as well. Both of them are in their own way preaching about how important it is with with physical health when you're sitting down, whether it be gaming or be working an office job. They're both doing it in their own way, spreading the word that it's important to get exercise. You can't just sit down all day. Absolutely. Yeah, there are certain things that are coming into the community and have been in the community for a while that are generating this kind of positive change towards um, awareness about you know, physical and mental needs. Um, the big example I can think of is the stay hydrated bot um, that uh, if you don't know it, it is, it, 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 you can add it to any Twitch chat and it notifies you every hour or every half hour and it says you've been live for one hour for optimal hydration you should have drank four ounces of water yeah and it's a very important thing and it's a very good good thing that that bot exists because i have it in my own chat and i'm usually very good at drinking water when i'm streaming but i mean i'm human i forget and usually around the time when that bot comes up it's like oh yeah i have no water i need to go get water so it's it's almost I feel like it should be a default in every channel on Twitch, regardless if you're speedrunning or not, because if you're streaming for eight plus hours, it's important to stay hydrated as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and you know, we've all heard stories about Twitch streamers dropping dead or um having heart attacks when they're still streaming and the stream goes on for another eight hours before anybody realizes that they're dead. Um, and those sorts of things are like absolutely tragic. Um, you know, no matter what you're doing, if you're streaming or if you're an office worker or if you're doing anything else with your life, nothing is worth your life. Yeah. Truth. Like <laughs> truer words have not been spoken. It's, uh, I wholeheartedly agree. It's, it's very, very important. All of these things. So Going back to what you originally thought said there, balance is key, and not just in speedrunning, in life in general, as a whole. Yeah, I agree. But we're gonna we're gonna switch up the topics a little bit here. Uh, it's gonna sound a little weird, but uh, there's there's a point to this, so just follow the the red thread here. But are you interested in sports at all? Um, I watch sports sometimes um generally i if i am able to i watch a a football game 
or like an American football game. When I say football, I'm talking about the rest of the world football. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I. Other than that, you know, I'm not really into much. Maybe a Formula One race or like things like that. But so the the reason I'm asking is because um, I think there's a bit of a correlation to what a sport is and what an esport is, and in regards to a speed run. And how do you think speedrunning compares to uh, sports and esports? Is there a potential for uh, a speedrunning scene to be considered an esport, for example? Oh, absolutely. And I've been a, a big proponent of this for years. Um, I think speedrunning should be recognized as an esport on the same level as the the team-based esports or the like one-on-one type esports so just because you are performing an individual sport doesn't mean it's any less of a sport um you know if you are if if you're an olympian in shot put you're not standing there with a hundred other people throwing their shots at the same time it's an individual sport um high jump or archery those sorts of things um it doesn't make it any less of a sport. It just means it's individual rather than a um, rather than a team effort or like a one-on-one um, adversarial effort. Um, so yeah, I, I really do believe that speedrunning should re- uh, should get more recognition as an esport in higher tiers of play. Um, I think that we can incentivize speedrunners with prize pools in the same way that Overwatch League has massive prize pools or League of Legends, um, those sorts of things. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting point on it. Because I think for certain games, having the motivation of a prize pool, for example, I think would not only help the the community of certain games grow and get more excitement but i think it will bring much more motivation for a lot of people who who maybe maybe are streaming on twitch and want to make it a full-time thing but they they can't maybe get the following to become partner and that kind of thing if there are tournaments or similar looking things with a prize pool they can still in a way manage to live up to that dream for example so that that's a great idea i've actually never considered that uh, having prize pools for speedrunning there yeah, of course. And we're kind of seeing like the the prototypes and um precursors of that in things like bounties. You, you we used to see bug bounties for speedruns where if you can find a way to skip X section in X speedrun, then we'll give you $100 or something. This community has pulled together this money and we'll give you this bounty. Um and then, you know, things like um, there's a very large Super Mario 64 bounty that's going on right now um, for the 120 star category. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's. Um, I think in total something like ten thousand dollars worth of bounties on the line for that category, um, and it's getting the speedrun world record down to, I think, something like 138, one hour and 38 minutes, something like that. And that has, like, had new runners 
and experienced runners who had maybe fallen off of that category because it was no longer seen as competitive, um, they've called all come back in droves and everybody is grinding for this category now. Um, there was a similar bounty set up for uh, Super Smash Bros for the N64 for the Break the Targets. Um, so those are individual levels. Um, and there was a bounty of, I think, like one or two dollars or something per frame you save in each of those individual levels until the entirety of the Break the Targets individual levels added up to less than three minutes total. That's really fascinating. I had no idea that was a thing. So that, yeah. that's, as you said, that, that could be uh, a predis pre what's what's the word um predecessor to what is to come in the future who knows what the scene will look like yeah i totally agree but what do you think about um it's not really the same thing but it's it, it's kind of in a way a similar thing events like agdq or esa or rpg limit break that are more about um gathering the community both runners and the viewers for a greater cause like saving money or donating money for for cancer research or that kind of thing what what are your thoughts on those types of events i love them i go to as many as i'm able to um i i i think it's beneficial for a number of ways first of all as you said it's gathering the community together um you get to see people in person that maybe you've only seen or met online um, you've only interacted with them over discord or twitch chat um, getting to meet them getting to know them as people you really it, it kind of humanizes what you're doing and you, you really get to see the human element of meeting people that were in some ways previously unavailable or like that you put up on these pedestals of they're so good they're like a twitch partner they've got x amount of records they're super good at what they do and they're extremely knowledgeable about their games well when you actually meet them they're like the kindest sweetest person ever um shout outs to sarath one more time <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah love that dude um and you know so there, there's that big human element to it and also like gathering the community together for a common goal, a common cause, um, is is really important because you know you're you're voicing your support for these issues. Um, for RPG Limit Break, it's NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness in the United States, and it really, um, you know, it, that's an issue that's very dear to every one of our hearts. I'm sure everybody has either experience or know someone who has experienced some sort of um, mental illness or mental unwellness um, and it needs to be destigmatized it needs to have more awareness around it, it needs to have more clinical research around it um, in order to make sure that uh, people can who are living with these conditions can to, to continue doing their thing living their best life 
Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you there as well. Ben, we talked about the mental health a little bit within speedrunning there. And in regards to these events, what do you think the, uh, the people organizing the events as well as the viewers and the streamers out there uh, can do to lift this issue more uh, to show that this is an actual thing that we need to care about and we need to raise awareness about mental health within not only the speedrunning community, but gaming in general. Just simple things. Just carry it with you. Just that message that people are so desperately trying to get across is just to be cognizant of what you're doing, um, to find in yourself a, a balance, and to carry that with you. Carry the message of spreading awareness for mental health or carry the message of um, like cancer prevention or uh, the Doctors Without Borders movement, those sorts of things. Just try and um, be a good person, basically. Um, whether that's in person or online, um, keep your interactions to how you would like to be treated if if you're trolling somebody in twitch chat trolling is okay to a certain extent but keep it light and don't go overboard with it um you know think about if you were the streamer and if somebody in your chat was telling you man you suck at this game why don't you just quit that's you know that's harmful yeah it's quite harmful on many levels especially if you're a not necessarily a first-time viewer, but if you're new to someone's channel, you don't really know the person, the streamer behind the camera. You don't know what, they, what they've been through in their life. And a simple comment like that can do a lot of harm that you might not be aware of as well. So you raise a very good point there that, yeah, just <laughs> in lack of better word, just don't be a dick. <laughs> just be a good person. Yeah. All right, so we're going we're gonna to start to slowly round things off here, but I have a few more questions for you, Kian. And um, one of them is, what's the most impressive speedrun you've ever seen? Hmm. This is tough because I have seen a lot of speedruns. Um, I'm, I'm really heavily um, involved in the community, mainly as a watcher of different runs. Um, the most impressive... Oh my goodness. Okay, I have two. The most impressive speedrun that I've ever seen is Professor Palmer doing a blindfolded any percent of Parasite Eve. Oh, wow. Is that yeah. even possible? <laughs> it is. It um, Parasite Eve any percent is normally around three hours i believe blindfolded um you can only go off of uh audio cues for everything so it's a lot of memorization it's a lot of knowing where to go and knowing what to hear for and um the, incidentally the sound design in that game is very good and you have a very good spatial sound awareness of what's going on around you but um, the run ends up being like six hours or something like that. And it's, it's just, if you've never seen that 
happen, it is one of the most impressive things that I have ever seen. Um, I saw it over Twitch chat, and then uh, when I got to meet him last year at RPG Limit Break 2019, he was doing a blindfolded speedrun in the practice room. Um, and you just, he's got like a bandana covering over his eyes, and he's got earbuds and like noise canceling headphones over top. And you just, you don't want to even touch him. You don't want to disturb him because he's just trying to concentrate so much. And it's, it's like that mystic sensei up in the mountains. You just don't dare to approach, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's, oh, it's fantastic. So what was the, the second most impressive one? The second most impressive? Probably, um, it's, it's not a full speed run, but it's just certain moments. Um, so, uh, like the Valve minigame in FF8, if you are able to perform that for the first try with, um, with no turbo controller or anything like that, it's just an insane amount of mashing. I think it's something like a hundred mashes, a hundred button presses per second that's needed, something like that. I think there's only like three or four recorded people that have ever done it. Um, uh, things like that. Things that require just like, not just execution, but physical ability and skill that is above what the average video gamer are, is going to be able to accomplish. So um, there is a guy that, uh, I'm going to name drop here, and he's a little controversial in the speedrunning community right now, is Luz Belheim. He put out a tutorial on how to do this um, Valve minigame, and he broke it down very, very well into its base components. Um, he said, you know, that you need this amount of, uh, of button presses, and therefore you need this amount of button presses per second, and therefore... Um, there's a couple different techniques of mashing that you could use. And then he switches the directions entirely and talks for probably like five pages of this like 10 page essay about wrist and hand exercises. Oh, of, wow. Yeah. And it's I, the first time I read it, I was like, what the heck is this guy talking about? He's talking about wrist and hand exercises to improve his fine finger precision in button massing, mashing it's basically like twitch precision um in order to like it, it's basically like shaking your muscles basically rather than anything else um you just lock up your wrist you lock up your elbow and you just like twitch a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> but to be, to be fair if anyone were to do a tutorial on how to button bash, it would be Luz Volheim. He There's a reason he has several world records uh, within the Final Fantasy speedrunning communities, and that's probably one of them. Yeah, he's, he's just... He's very knowledgeable, and he has great execution. And also, he's... I, I would say he is one of the other runners, like you mentioned before, that is um, trying to uh, spread the message of like physical wellness um, when you are doing these long runs. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so if you could give any 
piece of advice to anyone wanting to start out in speedrunning or want to give it a try, what what would that advice be? Just keep at it. Don't get discouraged. Um, you know, the first hurdle is always going to be the toughest one to get over. And if you find yourself, like, not instantly able to perfect every single piece of tech and every single movement and every single glitch that you see all of your favorite streamers do just give it some time give it some practice and don't be too hard on yourself you know um i personally both with myself and people that i know you see people that start out with these really really big complicated runs with so much practice and movement behind it and you try it once and it doesn't work and so you put it down and never pick it up again um you know i saw um i saw somebody trying out for trying to do super mario 64 16 star um and if you don't know the first part of that run uh, involves clipping through a wall into an out-of-bounds space so you can throw yourself into the first Bowser stage from zero stars. And they tried and tried and tried and tried and tried and couldn't really get the setup and got really upset with themselves and kind of put it down and never picked it back up again. And that's a shame because you should be able to if, if if speedrunning provides enjoyment for you, just do it. Just do it. Don't care who anybody else or what anybody else thinks, what anybody else is able to do. Because you'll get there. They've been on that game for three, four, five, six years. And you've been on this game for 20 minutes. So that's that's my advice. Just keep at it. That's a solid piece of advice right there. That can be applied not only to speedrunning, but just in life in general as well. Uh, so, as we round things off, I'm going to fire away three quick questions at you. Okay. And I want you to try and not think about it. Just answer on the top of your head as fast as you can. You get about five seconds to think about it at most. Okay? All right, I'll try. So here's the first question, right? Top three pizza toppings. Go. Pepperoni, steak, and anchovies. Anchovies? Really? That's... All right. Okay. I'm not, I'm not judging. Just... Very I different. I <laughs> love anchovies on pizza. Yeah. Hey, I, I, don't knock it till you tried it is my motto. So I might have to give that a go someday. Uh, if you had to speed run only one game for the rest of your life, which would it be and why? World of Final Fantasy. Because I love that game, and it's really cute, and it's a decent length. It's four hours long, um, so it's not going to break the bank in terms of like how much time I have to commit to it. And it's not so short that I find that I get bored of it after playing through it three or four times at once. So, and the last one. If you're trapped on a desert island that had modern-day housing with electricity, plumbing, a bed, a kitchen, a computer, an internet... What one item would you bring with you? Oh my goodness. Oh, this is hard. 
my son. Oh, that's a good answer. That's a good, that's a good, wholesome answer. I like it. I like it. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious really when you think about it. Yeah. Could have said my wife as well, but you know. One or the other. Yeah. You have to bring one. So. I'm not going to make that decision. But um, that's going to be it. We're going to round it off here. So before I just lead us out here, you've got an open floor to say whatever you want to whoever you want. Okay. Um, Shout out to this entire community. You guys are the best. FF community is a fantastic place to be in. If you've never seen any FF speedruns, go and talk to anybody. Um, we're all really open. Um, we like to support new people and, um, the way that the FF speedrunning community is, we're all sharing information. Nobody's hiding strats. Um, nobody is saying, no, you need to get better at what you're doing before I reveal the secrets of the universe to you. It's all very open, uh, to newcomers because we know how hard that this can be to get into to get into any sort of speed run so yeah shout out to the ff community um shout out to specific people connor cordell kios little monster um oh my goodness high spirits um he's been he's done a couple final fantasy things but he does other stuff too i'm just naming people (laughs) um yeah um shout out to everybody uh involved in rpg limit break because that is my favorite event of the year um i'll be going again this year rpg limit break 2020 whether i get games in or not i'm still going to be going um shout out to uh slant carson to big man japan um for being the second runner in a game with only one runner um shout out to my wife and my son for being super supportive even if you don't know what i'm doing um and yeah providing me a little bit of time to practice and perform my hobbies all right nice so um if people want to give you a follow or see what you're up to or streaming where can they find you you can find me on twitch at kion lion k-y-o-n-l-i-o-n you can find me on twitter Kion underscore lion uh same with twitter uh i said twitter instagram you can find me on instagram Kion underscore lion i post pictures of my kid i post pictures of beer all right nice well that's been episode two for the speedrunner podcast uh it's been great having you on the show Kion. thank you for coming on well thank you for having me it's been a pleasure it really has. It's been really interesting and really fun talking to you as well. Uh, I've been Sir Penguins as always, and uh, I will see you guys next episode with hopefully a fun and quirky catchphrase at the end. But we'll see about that. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>